0: going to read from Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through to 12 so 1 through to uh, yeah, yes, through to 12 and again he entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noise that he was in the house and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them no not so much as about the door and he preached the word unto them and they came and they, and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press they uncovered the roof where he was when they had broken it up and they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up your bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never never saw it on this fashion. I've done my prep in the New King James, so I hope you'll forgive me for I don't think there are any words that are particularly different in where it really matters uh, this morning. Let's just pray, shall we? Come to God's word together. We thank you, our heavenly Father, for your word, Lord. It is inspired, Lord. It is truth, all truth. And we, Father, do pray that as we look at this very familiar passage, that we might see precious truths contained in it, and that you might apply to to my heart, to each of our hearts that we might be doers of your word as well as hearers, We ask it in Christ's name, for his sake and glory. Amen. 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 We're going to remember 2020, aren't we? There's going to be books written about this time. I wouldn't like to be in government. I know that, uh, you know, it's far easier to criticise what's going on, but I certainly wouldn't be there. With all the changes... um, week by week, day by day, uh, who'd be there in government. But some things in government don't change, they're the same. I don't know whether you're a fan of Prime Minister's Question Time. I think it's hard to beat for me for, well, entertainment, and certainly at the moment, theatre with Boris and Keir. It's called Prime Minister's Questions, but we all know, well, I hope you all know, that in the main... Nobody's bothered about the answers, because they know the answers already before they've asked the question. They're out there to embarrass the Prime Minister. And that's what we see in this chapter 2 of Mark. Jesus had many questions asked of him. And basically they were there to embarrass him. And it's certainly true in verse 7. Who can forgive sins but God? alone who can forgive sins but God alone that's the question we're going to be looking at this morning it's vital a vital question now were they right only God can forgive sins if they were right had they already come to their own conclusion concerning who Jesus was does it matter that only God can forgive sins Now, we need to look at the context before we come to the question. And the question will come out of the context as well in these these verses 1 through to 12. Now, there are four individuals or groups of individuals uh, that take part in this account. And I'm going to pick out the different groups, as it were, or individuals and speak about that. First of all, there's the four friends. I don't know what kind of friends you have, but these were the kind of friends you ought to be cultivating and they're the kind of friends that you and I should be to other people as well they saw that their friend had a need and they wanted him to be healed and it's clear that they believed that Jesus could do that for him there was effort on their part as well to help their friend they carried him into the house now whose house was it? Well, if you look at the previous chapter, verse 29, you'll see there that they were in Peter's house. Was it the same house? I don't know for sure, but imagine it was. I can imagine he'd be a bit concerned about the, you know, the hole in the roof, as it were, and all the debris coming there, and Eric will tell you about building and different things there. He'd be a bit concerned. They weren't easily put off by the crowd. Verse 2. Immediately they gathered together so there was no longer room to receive them, no, not near the door. And he preached the word to them. It was crowded. They persisted. They kept on. And they carried their friend on the outside of the house, up the steps, under the flat roof. It's lovely to see when you go to, you know, warm climates and you see flat roofs apart from when the rain comes. And then, well, I've seen that a big problem there. But, you know, flat roof, and they start to proceed to make a hole in the hard clay there on the top of the roof. I'm saying if it was Peter's house, I can imagine him looking up and thinking, wow. But as they tear the hole in the roof, there's debris that's coming down and so people clear away even though it's a crowded house they move away from where the hole in the roof was and then they lower their friend now whether they brought rope before or whether they knew where to get rope on that, I just don't know but they lowered him down it wouldn't be this high it would be more like this height not even this height I wouldn't have thought but lower than that lowered him down before the crown, before Jesus. Now, what does Jesus think of their actions? Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. When he saw their faith, this big question is whose faith? Was it the four or the five? Well, I think as we'll see later, That uh, I think it was the five, not just the four. Certainly, the four had faith. Uh, They wanted Jesus to heal their friend and they brought him to Jesus. But the one himself had to have faith as well, as we'll see later. Now, that's the last that we hear of these four friends. They're not needed for the return journey, Uh, we don't know their thoughts. Concerning Jesus' words, I I can well imagine they'll be a bit surprised as to what he's just said. That isn't why they brought him. We're not told that they were overjoyed, but I'm sure they would be, and I'm sure they'd had lots to talk about when they all met together afterwards. When I got saved on the 27th of June, 1967, at a relay meeting, King's Hall in Stoke uh, and the Earl's Court in London, that's where it was being done, landlines being laid, none of this, you know, all satellite and all that, no, no, no. It's all the actual wires that had to be laid from Earl's Court to various places around the country. There were various characters on the night that I can remember. Billy Graham, for one. Cliff Barrows, the, sing- the one who conducted the choir. I can also remember a young man named Peter Kuhn. He was a, a navigator, Christian work uh, very much in counselling work and in memorization of scripture and the Bible, etc., who counselled me afterwards, who shared with me how to get what I'd done in my prayer of asking God to forgive me and to come into my life as my saviour. But, you know, what about the friends back at school? What about the friends who invited me? I can't remember their names, to be honest. I didn't know that they were praying for people that they were inviting back at school. What about Paul Bellingham, the RE teacher there in Hanley High, where, where I was? Again, lovely guy, a Christian man. Amazingly, he had a twin brother. I, I, I think he's still living. I, I saw Paul going in one door and I saw another guy coming out over here, and I, I was just amazed. I just couldn't understand what was going on. Both brothers saved. But, you know, they were forgotten men. But they were overjoyed. Uh, when not just me, but others came to school the, after the Friday where I got saved. It, on the Tuesday I got saved. Um, I, you know, it was a, a wonderful time to know that people had been praying for me. The people who invite, the people who take... I say the ones that stand back, the ones that are not remembered. But it's Jesus that's the one that we make much of, isn't it? He is the one. He is the one who saves us. And okay, it might be a speaker, it might be an individual who speaks to us and leads us to that position. But friends this morning, what about your friends? Are you concerned about bringing them to Jesus? People have shown great kindness, haven't they, over the last few months? In the first couple of weeks of uh, lockdown, uh, we had gone out shopping, I'd gone out somewhere, came back into the porch there, and then there was a plastic bag with rice, um, and tin of beans, um, ooh, I can't remember, I can't, there were four things, oh, flour, Flour like couldn't buy any flour from then on. But, you know, <laughs> somebody had brought us some, a very kind gift in a, in a bag there haven 't put a name on it didn 't know where it came from, but it came to us. but you know Jesus is the only person who can people who can meet people 's greatest need today the sin problem that people have Actions speak louder than words that 's what the four friends were doing they showed their faith didn't they but you know. leading someone to Christ or sharing Christ with someone is not just by action it starts with words doesn't it I wonder whether you have taken opportunity over these last few weeks and months whether you will take opportunity just to share a word in season maybe it's a written word in season that you can pass on to others I love this one It's Roger, uh, Roger Carswell wrote it it says thanks for your help and if anybody does anything for me at, the, at home, i give him one of these. Uh, the window cleaner. I think he's had a few. No, I, I don't know how many he's had now, but different ones that have come. Or, or if you're at the till, you know, you, thanks. they think you're giving them a fiver. But in fact, it's worth more than a fiver. Worth more than that. Pass something on and share. Roger's also done one for dog lovers. Man's best friend. I don't think he's done anything for cat lovers. Anyway, I'm looking at Anne then. But get out of your comfort zone. Take risks, as it were, that, you all what will people think of you? Will they think you're a religious nut or something? You know, share. You know, winsomely, thoughtfully, in a friendly way. And uh, see what questions come back to you accordingly. So the friends. Secondly, the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, I say Pharisees as well because in a parallel passage in Luke and in Matthew, it includes them both, scribes and Pharisees. In chapter 1 of Mark here, we see that Jesus is attacked by Satan, his person and his authority. Here in chapter 2, it's now manly attack. It's men who come along and attack his person and his authority. Do you notice where they were sitting in the house, verse 6? In fact, they were sitting. Uh, That's the amazing thing was, they were sitting. This was a house that was packed out to the doors. They couldn't get in accordingly. But the scribes and Pharisees were sitting down. Now, either they were there first, or I I don't know about that, or whether they were just shown, because of their authority, they were shown to seats, I don't quite know. They heard everything that was going on. Nothing, as it were, was in the corner. They were there, right at the front, where Jesus was. They had questions, and they raised them in their hearts, not in their voices. It's a bit like us sitting and hearing you sing this morning. You know, we're in our hearts, we're singing with you. Well, here the Pharisees and the scribes were certainly thinking in their hearts. And because Jesus is God, He knew everything that they were thinking. Just like in chapter three with the man with the withered hand, He knew everything. He knew their thoughts. Would He heal on the Sabbath day? He knew everything that they were thinking. They had two thoughts: Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Why does this man? Why is he blaspheming? And then. Secondly, who can forgive sins but God alone? He's blaspheming! He's blaspheming! Now, they would be right if he wasn't God, because he is God. And who can forgive sins but God alone? "As non-sublime as those that will not see." Later on, at, um, at the end of this passage, in verse. Uh, Twelve there immediately arose, took up his bed, went out in the presence of them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. They didn't glorify Jesus. They glorified God. They gave, yes, the uh, credit to him. But it's obvious from the rest of the chapter and the next chapters that the scribes and Pharisees certainly weren't, they didn't acknowledge Jesus and his authority at all. Then we come. It's obvious. It's obvious, isn't it? I come from Stoke, as many as you do as well. Now you can always tell somebody from Stoke, can't you? They've got tea stains down their shirts or their <laughs> blouses or whatever, because we pick up the we pick up the teacup. We? but we forget that there's bottom. You know, maybe something in the bottom of the cup, and we turn it, and it's all down that shirt. But we're looking for the whoever where, has it been made. And increasingly, I find that it's not been made in Stoke, but anyway. But it's obvious. But if we turn to Romans chapter 1, it's obvious something else as well. Verses 18 through to 21, Romans chapter 1, 18 through to 21. So that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They suppress the truth, they keep it under. Hold down, there's another phrase there. They hold down the truth. You know, we all see creation around us. I love walking and uh, I I love the countryside and I know it's not as it was when God first made it but it's a beautiful country that we live in it's a beautiful world and we look around and we see, do we not see the creator's hand upon everything the beauty, the beauty of animals and and birds and the flowers why should there be beauty but God has made it the power, you think oh the thunderstorms, all the things that come as well the power of God you and I see that the world sees that but there will be those who will see that and they know it's of God but they suppress the truth in their own heart and they say no they don't want to as it were to have any link with this God this was like the scribes and the Pharisees they saw the work of God they heard Jesus' words, he spoke with authority, not like them And I pray that this morning that there's no one here that is like the scribes and the Pharisees, of seeing, thinking, knowing, and still not submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, there's the paralysed man. I don't know much about him, though, by Jesus saying, Son, your sins are forgiven, he's likely to be a younger man. We don't know how long he'd been paralyzed, but it's obvious that uh, his four friends knew that the doctors couldn't help him. And maybe our thoughts initially, maybe like everyone else, is pity for this man. He couldn't move, he couldn't get up off his bed on his own. But friends, never pity this man, never pity him. Without him being paralyzed, he may never have been forgiven. Some of you will have heard Peter Jackson, the blind, Peter, the blind uh, pianist. He's now with the Lord. I, I heard him a number of times thanking the Lord that he was that he not born blind, but became blind at a very young age. Because without that, he said, I wonder if I'd ever got saved. And he got saved. And what a wonderful work it did for the Lord there accordingly. As a Christian... What's got to happen to us for God to get our attention? For the worldly person, maybe something in their life, and you often say, don't we, that it's something like a bereavement or some sadness or maybe a health situation, either makes people bitter or better with regards to God. But for Christians as well, we go through the mill, don't we? We had a canon in the Church of England come to speak at our church some years ago, a man named Maurice Marsh. I'm not sure if Steve would, would have remembered him. But he was down here. He wasn't a very tall man at all. And I asked him one day, I said, well, he was speaking. I said, uh, Maurice, tell us what a canon is. He said, it's one of the Church of England's big guns. <laughs> he was at the, the Chester Cathedral. He just said, I can't vouch for all the other time, but when I'm there what we do is according to scripture he says so that's what uh, it's all to do with the canon of scripture but one particular time he came to our church and um, he hadn't been well, been in hospital and he said this, he says Alan I've learnt more in the valleys than ever I have on the mountaintops I've learnt more in the valleys than ever I have on the mountaintops it's lovely looking over it isn't it you ask Anna about views in Keswick and things like that how beautiful it is when the mist is knocked down and the rain and whatever. But you know it, but in the valleys as a Christian. Oh the problems we have there. There's no one else maybe to help us, maybe to hear us. But God is there. He's always with us, he's, he's with us on the mountaintop. Let's not forget that. But sometimes it's when we have our needs that we get closer to God. Now we don't hear a word from this man, this man who's paralysed, he's not, he can speak, he's paralysed it says, but we don't hear anything from him, he's just presented to Jesus without any cry. But of course Jesus knew his greatest need. Jesus, you know, when we think about Looking at a person, man looks on the outward appearance, don't they? God looked on his heart and saw his greatest need. His friends, when they heard those words, forgive them, forgive his sins, they would think, we've not brought him for that. That's not the reason we've brought him. And as we think about COVID-19... I think we're over a million deaths now around the world, and maybe we're fearful of that. And we thought, oh, you know, that could be me. But as we look around the world every year, not just this year, millions are dying, and dying without Christ. Does that move us to pray? Does that move us to, to share? what we know about Christ Jesus knew his greatest need and he spoke to his conscience first before he healed the body now sometimes there can be specific reasons why a person is sick remember the man who was blind people asked the question didn't they who sinned, did he sin or did his parents sin that he's born blind I don't see that here at all But of course, sickness does come as a result of sin, right there in the beginning in Genesis. And as Christians, I believe we should be very thankful that Christians have been at the forefront of helping ordinary people in their plight. Of education, orphanages, changing laws concerning the employment of children, debt control, food banks, care for the homeless. But friends, never, never forget that there's only one cure for the world's greatest problem. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. When he came to to Calvary's cross and he bore in himself the penalty for your sin and mine and the world, that is the only way people are going to get right and have peace with the Holy God. So whatever means we have, let's preach the good news that Christ died for sinners. I qualify and so do you, and so does the world, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Did the man show his faith? Yes, he did. When Jesus said to him in verse 11 to 12, I say to you, arise, pick up your bed, and go home, go and walk. He rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. He knew he couldn't do it under his own efforts but he got up because he responded to the authority of Christ. What went for his walking also went for his dealing with his own sin. He couldn't deal with his own sin. But Jesus did. And he got up and walked. No physio. Uh, You know, if we've been in bed for a couple of days we need physio, don't we, to get up? And he got up immediately. Mark loves that word, doesn't he? Immediately. A Yorkshire friend of ours, uh, some of you will know, Pauline Wood, she recorded a story for Beach Missions on the CD, and she told this story, and she summed it up just so graphic that in your you know a picture in your mind. He came in with his head on his bed and he went out with his bed on his head and i thought that a wonderful you know yeah you can visualize this can't you so simple he went out a changed man he could walk people could see that but there was a greater change he was a forgiven man he had peace with god now that he never had before sometimes our uh, times of prayer in church maybe like ours i'm sure Are taken up with the outward needs of people the outward needs of our fellowship our friends our family our contacts one man called them an organ recital you know pray for someone's head his back his legs you know that type of organ recital now don't get me wrong i've been a pastor for a number of years and of course people need prayer and god can hear and answer those prayers but friends, together with the outward needs of our friends, there are spiritual needs as well. And if you want an example of what to pray for, look at Paul's letters. See what he prayed for, that they might grow in the knowledge and the love of Christ. And that they might grow in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, just look at them. There's what Paul prayed for his friends he wrote to. Get the balance right in our prayer life. We've seen the four friends. We've seen the scribes and the Pharisees. We've seen the the man himself. I want now finally to look at the Lord himself. I want you to see, first of all, he's in total control. Nothing took him by surprise. Whether it's the four friends, uh, or whether it's the, the thoughts of the scribes and the Pharisees, what they were thinking in their hearts. But notice why he was in the house. Was his purpose to heal people? Well, verse 2. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. No, not near, even near the door. And he preached the word to them. That's the reason he was there in that house, to preach the word. Now, there were many people with physical needs and of course he healed people but that isn't why he came. The living word came preaching the written word, which ties in with what he saw as this man's greatest need as well. When the scribes and Pharisees thought in their mind that only God could forgive sins, were they right? The answer is yes, of course he was right, or they were right. I can forgive you for something that you've done against me. But when we do things wrong against each other, we also sin against God too. I can't forgive you your sin against God. I'm not and no one else can, even if he's called a father or a priest or whatever. They can't, you know. I remember my father in law, he was from Northern Ireland. He used to say when the priest starts confessing his sin to me, I might think about doing it to him, but no. We can't forgive what only God can forgive. They were right, but they were wrong thinking that he was blaspheming because Jesus is God. But verse 10, sorry, verse um verse 10 says, But you that you might know that the Son of Man has power or authority on earth to forgive sins, he then was going to. Heal this man as well. This is the first time that Mark introduces Jesus as the, or himself, he introduces himself as the son of man. And it's only in Mark there, and there's only one other occasion when, apart from Mark's gospel, when he's introduced as the son of man. I won't leave you guessing It's in Acts chapter 7, verse 56. And it was Stephen And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. It has to do with his messianic office. The fact that he had to become a man to die for the sin of the world, for you and for me. And then Jesus posed a question. Which do you think was easier to say? Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, "Rise, take up your bed and walk." What do you think? Was it easier to say, "Your sins are forgiven you?" Or to say, "Rise, take up your bed and walk." Now maybe like the scribes and Pharisees, you'd be thinking, "Ah, oh, well, anyone can say, "Your sins be forgiven you." But you know, to rise up, you know, we'd actually see whether what you were saying is true or not if he got up off the, off the bed and walked for himself that would be true for anyone else except for the Lord Jesus himself because friends for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven you would mean that he would need to go through with the cross at Calvary and all the awfulness that would mean that becoming sin for you being punished for our sin not his own for he had none but for the spotless Son of God, for God himself, Jesus, to be able to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, that was nothing. They're just words. With words, he had made the universe with the Father and the Holy Spirit. With words, he had put the space, they put stars into space. To say, he, to, to rise, take up your bed and walk, to heal this man was nothing. They were just words. But to say to the man, your sins are forgiven, that would mean the cross. And all that that would mean in his life. He came on a mission, a rescue mission for sinners like you and for me. He did have authority, he showed authority, but he already had that authority. And so finally, what a saviour we have one who's able to meet our greatest needs. People sometimes say, don't they, if only God would give me a miracle, if only he'd stand there before me, then I'd believe. No, you wouldn't. These things were done in Capernaum. Capernaum saw many miracles being done. But in Matthew chapter 11, 23, 24, it says, And you, Capernaum, will be exalted to heaven. You will be brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, It would have remained until this day, but I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than you. They did not believe. There was little fruit in Capernaum. They saw miracles. Only God can forgive sins. Only God. It's not our works, not the works of others. It's the work of Christ alone through him. And may God bless you as you think on those things together.